And Father, I just ask you to give me wisdom as I break open the word today. Lord, I just ask you to reach everybody's heart. Let them hear something that will set them free, Father. Lord, show us more about you today. Help us to come up higher in our knowledge of you. Help us to fall in love deeper with you today. And Satan, I bind you. I break your power. You have no authority here. I bind distraction. I take authority over this atmosphere and I command it to submit to the word of God. And we thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, good morning. Well, today we're going to talk about God's favor. Yay. Amen. So I, I kind of last Sunday when I did the offering, I, um, the scriptures that I wrote down for the offering is none of the things that I'm actually doing today. And so, so when I started doing the, well, during worship last Sunday, during the offering, I had just something I was writing down. And during the, during the worship service last Sunday, the Lord told me, he said, my favor is violent. And I was like, I bind you, devil. And I, but I wrote it down. And then when Pastor Barb started preaching last week about the wrestling, and violence and when she, and he said i told you my favor is violent and i was like wow you know like wow you know so <laughs> I, i'm sorry gave gabby and her poppy watches ant-man a lot and and that scene where he go wow so i do that to god quite often so anyway so we're going to talk about god's favor being violent and so i learned a lot about god i mean it, nothing God does is little, but sometimes when we think of favor, we think, oh, I got five dollars off or I got free food at McDonald's. And it's so much bigger than that. So what is favor? Favor is attention. It means to be endowed. And when you're endowed, that means furnished with funds or support. So when you are favored, it's almost like a covering that comes over you. It's approval. It's, it means to facilitate. It means to make easy. So when you have God's favor, you should expect your life to go easier. When you have favor, it also means to spare. And see, so that's Psalms 91. He said, a thousand will fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Why? Because God's favor is violent. He protects you. If, if only we saw the angels that are encamped about us. And how they pull their swords when we're in danger, if only we knew. Favor means to have special privileges. Favor means to prefer. You could be the lowest person on the seniority list, but you'll have the preferred position. And God proved that to me last month at my new job. Favor means to be regard shown, regard shown by a superior. So why does God say that his why does God say that his favor is violent? Let's look at violent. Violent means intense. So if you don't like the word violent, you could say God's favor is intense. If you don't like the word violent, you could say God's word, God's favor is extreme. God's favor is strong and powerful. These are all the meanings of violent. Violent means forceful. It means great. It also means terrible. You know, when they talk about God, they talk about the great and mighty, terrible day of the Lord. It's awesome for us, but to the wicked and the ungodly, it's a terrible day. Violet means oppressor. It means a breaker. 
Because when God's favor is around you, he's given you the authority to break the devil's back and to take the neck of your enemies. It's a breaker. Violet means cause to quake. I think about Psalms 18 when the psalmist said he cried out to God and God stood up and the earth shook and it quaked because he was angry that someone was messing with one of his kids because he had favor on him. So his favor will cause the world to quake. And it also means spiritual violence. And so one thing that the Holy Spirit was showing me that I want to make mention of, he said, but my favor is not abusive. It's not abusive, but it's violent. Big difference. Matthew says, uh, I didn't write it down, but you notice I just want to make reference to it. Matthew says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. And the violent take it by force. How can you take it by force? Because we have favor with God. And he said, I've given you the neck of your enemies. That's how you can have Amos 9. Because we're getting back what the enemy has stolen from us because he has favored us. The prophet Amos said, you're not, God's not doing this for you because you do this and do that. No, you actually, you are a stiff-necked people, an arrogant people. But Amos went on to prophesy, God is doing this. Yes, indeed, it won't be long. He's favored us. So see, uh, see God's violent, the violent favor of God in a whole different vernacular. And so the first example that I want to share with you is my girl Esther. And if you could turn to Esther chapter 2. I almost told you the page number, but it may not be that same page number in your Bible. So Esther chapter 2, and we'll start reading in verse 7. I just want to give you, everybody knows the story of Esther, but there are some things that I want to show that shows the great extreme and violent favor that was over Mordecai's life and Esther's life and how that relates to the church and intercessors, especially in this day and age. Esther chapter 2, starting in verse 7. And Mordecai had brought, had brought up Hanessa, that is Esther, his uncle's daughter, for she had neither father nor mother. The young woman, the young woman was lovely and beautiful. When her father and mother died, Mordecai took her as his own daughter. So it was when the king's command and decree were heard, and that many young women were gathered to Sushan in Citadel, under the custody of Hagi, of, I'm just going to say Haggai, that, that Esther also was taken to the king's palace and to her care, the custodian of the women. Remember, Queen Vashti disrespected the king Ahasuerus, so she was kicked out, so they were in search of a new queen. Now, the young women pleased him, and she obtained his favor, talking about Esther. So he readily gave beauty preparations to her. Besides her allowances. Then seven choice maidservants were also provided for her from the king's palace. And he moved her and her maidservants to the best place in the, in the house of the women. So as soon as Esther stepped foot in the palace, God's favor. See, that favor means to be endowed. So she was already endowed in it. He didn't know what it was about her, but the favor had already started to roll in. And why did... Mordecai take her and put her in this pageant if we want to use that Mordecai knew that God's favor rested on her I wish I had more revelation on on that I I would love to give more I'm sure I will 
but I was, I was like, Lord, why would, I mean, it was a lot, everybody knew that he was searching for a king. What gives you the gumption to say, I'm going to take you? Because I don't know if I would enter Gabby into a pageant, but there had to be something on the inside of Mordecai, that God thing. He knew that Esther had it. Because remember, he's, he's her mom, you know, he's taking care of her now. And God spoke to him, and he let he, he let he let Mordecai know it's Esther, it's her, and that'll be confirmed later. So anyway, so we'll jump down to verse 17 and 18. You know, Mordecai never left her, although she was inside the palace. He stayed outside. He was always a ear reach from her, and because he was there, verse 17 says the king loved Esther more than all the other women. And she obtained grace and favor in, the, in, in his sight more than all the other, all the other virgins. So he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. Then the king made a great feast, the feast of Esther. So she went from being an orphan to having a feast thrown in her honor and being crowned king. See, that's what it means when God said, I will endow you with my favor. You wear it. It's not an arrogance and it's not violent. It's a, it's a, it's something that you wear. You know, nowadays we say knowing who you are in Christ. Because when you know who you are in Christ, you ain't got to beg. You ain't. You don't have to be abrasive. You don't have to walk in and say, y'all saw me. <laughs> you should have rolled the red carpet out. That ain't favor. That ain't favor. That's arrogance. Big difference. Anyway, I just want to make y'all laugh. <laughs> Woo. Then the king made a great feast, the Feast of Esther. I love that. For all his officials and servants, and he proclaimed a holiday in the providence and gave gifts according to the generosity of the king. Amen. Okay, so let's go over. Let's jump down to verse 21 and 23. Okay. In those days, while Mordecai sat within the king's gate, two of the king's enochs, Bigthana and Teresh, doorkeepers, became furious and sought how to lay hands on King Ahasuerus. So the matter became known to Mordecai, who told Queen Esther, and Esther informed the king in Mordecai's name. And when an inquiry was made up into this matter, it was confirmed that both it was confirmed, and both of them were hanged on the gallows, and it was written in the book of the Chronicles in the presence of the king. Okay? So we, I'm not gonna expound, I'm just gonna keep going so we so I don't so we can get through everything. So that's verse 21. So let's go over to chapter 3. And I'm going to read 1 through 6. After these things, King Ahasuerus promoted Haman, the son of the Hamadatha, the Agagite, and advanced him and set his seat above all the princes who were with him. And all the king's servants who were, with the king, who were within the king's gate bowed down and paid homage to Haman as to the king had commanded concerning. And so Haman was put in charge, and it was at the king's command that everybody was supposed to bow down when they saw Haman. That ain't favor, but that's just, (laughs) that ain't favor, big contrast. And Mordecai would not bow or pay homage to him. Then the king's servants who were within the king's gate said to Mordecai, why do you not, I'm just going to just know the darling. Why why don't you give him his props? (laughs) And when he spoke to him daily, Mordecai was like, I'm a Jew. I'm not doing that. And this sounds just like when they threatened Daniel. You better bow down when you hear the horn blowing. 
And Daniel said, I'm not doing that. That he ain't my God. You know, he ain't, I know who my allegiance is to. And then if y'all keep watching me three times a day, well, look up. Y'all going to see me bowing down and paying homage to the real king. When Haman saw that Mordecai would not bow or pay him homage, he was furious. And he was disdained. He held back laying hands on Mordecai. And he said, you know what? Forget this. I don't want Mordecai. I want the whole Jewish people. If he want to disrespect me and not show me my rights, I'm not just going to kill him, but I'm going to kill everybody connected to him. I'm going to wipe them all out. And that's verse 6. That's the New Darlene translation. And so 6, and so we'll keep going. And then verse 17 Okay, Haven was so mad. Okay, let me keep, let me see if I want to keep going. Da, 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 six through seventeen. Okay, yes, yeah, so I'll keep going. In the so anyway, he, Haman went to King Ahasuerus, told him that there were someone that was not paying homage to homage to him, and they were disrespecting him. Sounds just like what they did to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and and Daniel. And he said, you need to. Uh, you need to make a new decree that these people who don't respect you, they need to be put to death. And so Haman had this whole decree written out of when these, I mean, he had dates of when certain Jews were supposed to be killed. And he said, I want them all dead. He said, I want the old and the young dead. He said, because they, they don't respect you. They, they, put, they don't respect you, king. So they, they, we need to wipe out this whole nation this whole household and so this is evil Haman and so that's what he's doing and so where where do I want to pick up so chapter 4 let's go to chapter 4 when Mordecai learned what happened he tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes and he went out in the midst of the city he cried with a loud and a bitter cry he went as far as the front of the gate of the king's gate for no one might enter into the king's gate clothed in sackcloth. He wasn't allowed to go any further when he was in, in sorrow. In every province where the king commanded, the decree arrived. So everybody knew what was going on with the Jews. Everybody knew that the uh, bounty basically had been put on every Jew's head. And there was great mourning among the Jews and fasting and weeping and wailing. And don't you think their weeping came up before their great big God? And many lay in sackcloth and ashes. So Esther's maids and Enoch's and Enoch's came and told her, and the queen was deeply distra- distressed because you know she in the palace. She like, girl, I got, I, I get a pedicure every day. I get my nails done. I get my hair done. All I got to do is look, and they run and see what I need. Cause she in a whole nother world. Then she sent garments, and she like, what the heck is going on with my uncle Mordecai? So then she sent garments and and things like that so that he could wash up and look better, but he would not accept them. And then Esther called Hatak, one of the king eunuchs, whom he had appointed to attend her, and she gave him a command concerning concerning Mordecai to learn what and why he was so upset. So Hatak went out to Mordecai in the city square and was in front of the king's gate, and Mordecai told him all that had happened to him. I wouldn't bow down to Haman. Haman got mad at me and my entire Jewish family, so he wants to wipe us all out. He's designed, I'm, this is, I'm, new, Nola Darling translation. He, you know, so Haman has this decree written out. There are certain days that certain Jews in this province are supposed to get killed. Then they got certain days that the Jews on this side are supposed to get killed. 
Nobody's going to be scared, spared, men, women, or children. Okay, so we'll uh, pick up in verse 11. Do I want to pick up in verse 11? Oh, so yeah, he gave a copy. I'm going to start in verse 8. So he gave a copy of the decree so that Esther could read it. And he told her to explain it to her. So Hatak returned and told Esther the words of Mordecai. Then Esther spoke to Hatak and gave him a command for Mordecai. She said, now you go back and tell him this. All the king's servants and the people in the king's provinces know that any man or woman who goes into the inner court to the king who has not been called, he has been he has but one law, and that's to be put to death. So in other words, she was saying, now you know I just can't go busting over into his chambers because he hasn't called for me. And everybody in the household knows that if you go over there and he hasn't called for you, that's an instant death. There's no negotiating. He, she says, except the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter, that he, and then he'll live. Yet I myself, he hasn't called for me for more than 30 days. So they told Mordecai Esther's words. And Mordecai and Mordecai told them to answer Esther. In other words, he said, you tell her this. You better do what you need to do. <laughs> this is why you've been called to the kingdom. Don't forget where you came from. This ain't about you. There's a there's a god thing on the inside of you you have the it factor you're the one god has chosen to speak on behalf of his people so i'll go over it again and mordecai told them to answer Esther, do you think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace just because you up in there with everything being lavished on you more than any of the other jews for if you remain completely silent at this time relief and deliverance will come because in other words, God is faithful. He's going to answer the size of these people. But he wants to use you. But if you fall back, he will raise up somebody else. And he says, yet who knows whether or not you have come into the kingdom for such a time as this. And see, that's why God prompted Mordecai to put Esther into this pageant. She had the it factor. There was favor inside of her. One day she would do something not just for herself, but something that would change a whole that would change a nation. Mordecai, I don't think, knew the extent of it, but he knew God was leading him. Because, you know, this was a dangerous thing. He, you know, you go off with these people, you don't know these people. You know, you don't know if these, uh, sometimes the kings, they're not always fair. You know, these girls could be abused sexually. But see, he trusted God, and he stepped out, and he said, Lord, you know, he put this girl into the king, you know, he put her out there, trusting that God would come through and protect her. And do everything that the Lord wanted her to do. So Esther said in reply to Mordecai, go gather all the Jews who are present in Sushan and fast for me. So see, she knew what to do. She knew what to do. She wasn't crazy. Mordecai brought her up in the Jewish customs. She knew how to hear from God, how to get an audience with God. And see that when he was fasting and, and see she was she was in she was in a whole nother area mentally. He out there fasting in sackcloth, knowing that when they had hard times, that's how he reached God. And she's in the palace. Mordecai, don't embarrass me. What are you doing? And he was like, don't forget where you came from, girl. This ain't about you. God has put you in this place of, of this place of position and authority so that you can help out the kingdom. 
So anyway, she told them to fast for me three days and three nights. And my maids and I, we will not eat. And I will go to the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. And see, that's when the queen that God had called her to be stood up on the inside of her. Because favor will make you fearless in the face of death. Mordecai had to take her and shake her back into reality and say, look, girl, this ain't about you. You here for a whole nother purpose. Okay, so anyway, let's keep going. And see, that's how it is when you're a forerunner. And when you get the word inside of you, it's not just for you to bind the devil and break his power and get all your money back that he's been stealing, but it's for you to stand in the gap and intercede for behalf of your family. Because see, she was a forerunner for the Jews. They've been underdogs. And God had put her in a place of a of a privilege. But it wasn't about her. He did that so that she could reach back and bring the others up. And that's what intercessors do. It's never about us. It's about you getting what you got. You're the forerunner. You, you path out that way so that you can reach back, back and bring everybody else up. It's never just about us. And I think as long as intercessors remember that, we'll go a long way. Esther chapter 5. Okay, no, I don't want to, uh, okay, yeah, no, I don't want to get past it. it uh-oh. Now what happened the third day? Esther put on her, okay, let's, yeah, after chapter 5. Now what happened the third day that Esther put on her royal robe and stood in the inner court of the king's palace across the king's house while the king sat on his royal throne in the royal house facing the entrance of the house. So it was when the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court she found favor in his sight and the king held out to Esther the the golden scepter that was in his hand hallelujah I'm sure she breathed a sigh of relief now she said I guess she said I ain't gonna die I might die but I ain't gonna die today then Esther went near and touched the top of the scepter and the king told her what do you wish Queen Esther what is your request it shall be given to you up to half of the kingdom that's favor. So Esther answered, if it pleases the king, let the king and Haman come today to the banquet that I have prepared for him. And the king said, bring Haman quickly. And he did. And Esther was and Esther said, so the, as, as Esther has said, so the king and Haman went to the banquet that Esther had prepared. At the banquet of wine, the king said to Esther, what is your, what is your petition? So it shall be granted you. What is your request up to half the kingdom? It shall be done. In other words, Esther, no, it's not an option. I'll give you whatever you want. Then Esther answered and said, my petition and request is this. If I have found favor in your sight, which she had, and if it pleases the king to grant my petition and fulfill my request, then let the king and Haman come to the banquet, which I have prepared for them. And tomorrow I would do as the king has said. So y'all come tomorrow and I'll tell you. So Haman went out that day. He was so joyful, joy, joyful, and with the glad heart. But Haman saw Mordecai, <laughs> kill joy, <laughs> in the king's gate, and he did not stand or tremble before him. He was filled with indignation against Mordecai. He looked at Mordecai, and I guess on the inside he was laughing. He said, soon I'm going to have your head. And Mordecai was probably thinking, soon I'm going to have your head. 
Nevertheless, Haman restrained himself and went home. And he sat and called his friends and his wife, Zeresh. And Haman told them his great riches. And the, he was, so he went home and started boasting. I got so much. I got so many children. Everything in which the king has, oh, Lord, he just done promoted me. I got everything. I got all kind of advancements. I got officials. I got servants. But Haman said, to, he said, and, and then Queen Esther, she has invited me to a banquet. Ain't nobody, ain't nobody going to be there but me and the king. Me and the king. I'm second in charge. I got it going on. He said, but the only thing is that doggone Mordecai, <laughs> that Jew sitting at the king's gate. And when his wife Zeresh, the devil's advocate, and all her, his friends said to him, well, build a gallow. Let a gallow be made 50 cubics high. Because, see, she knew that if did nobody bow down and give uh, Haman his props, you know, it, the, the king had already said they could be killed. So she said, well, get a gallow 50 cubics feet high. And in the morning, ask the king to, if you can put Mordecai on there and hang him. And then go merrily to the banquet and enjoy your day. Okay? So chapter 6. Am I reading the whole chapter? Yeah. This Bible study. Yeah. <laughs> that night, the king could not sleep. See, favor started talking. That night, the king could not sleep. See, that's favor's violent. It woke him up. It said, get up and think about something that happened and you didn't do everything, you didn't follow through on everything you should have followed through on. Violent, you know, there, there's that violence. That night the king could not sleep, so he commanded to, so he commanded to bring the book of the records of the chronicles and they were read before the king. And it was found written that Mordecai had told of Victhana and Teresh, two of the king's eunuchs, the doorkeeper, who had sought to lay hands on King Ahasuerus. And then the king said, What honor or dignity has been bestowed on Mordecai for this? And the king's servant said, Nothing. So the king said, Who's that out there in the court? Who, somebody just came in and they said, Haman has just entered the outer court. See, Haman came in. He was all happy. Let's kill Mordecai. Kill, kill. And so we... <laughs> God is so good. He has a sense of humor. The king's servant said to him, Haman is in there standing in the court. And the king said, oh, let him come in. So Haman came in. The king asked him, Haman, what shall be done for the man who the king delights to honor? Then Haman thought in his heart, oh, who would the king want to honor more than me? And Haman answered the king, for the man who the king delights to honor, let a royal robe be brought in which the king has worn. You know, something out of your closet that they've already seen you in and they know it's yours and then put it on that man so they'll know you highly favor him. And a horse that you've written on, you know, that a horse that they know that's your personal horse, which has the royal crest placed on his head. And let that robe and the horse be delivered to the hand and hold the king's noble princess that he may array that man with whom the king delights to honor. Then parade him on horseback through the entire city and proclaim before him, this shall it be done to the man to whom the king delights in. This is how, in other words, this is how the king treats you when you his boy and he delights in you. Then the king said to Haman, well, hurry up. Take that robe and the horse as you suggested and go give it to Mordecai. <laughs> Go give it to Mordecai, that Jew, who sits at the king's gate. Leave nothing undone that you've spoken. Can you imagine? He had to swallow his tongue, his teeth, his blood. He had to swallow the blood when he bit his tongue. 
So Haman took the robe, the horse, and the raid Mordecai and led him horseback through the city square. Can you imagine his wife hearing about this saying, what the heck? He's supposed to be killing him and he parading him around on a horse with the king's robe on. And I'm sure fear hit that household. God's favor is violent. Thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delights to honor. Afterward, Mordecai went back to the king's gate. See, Mordecai, didn't, he, he took the honor. You know, he didn't snub the king. He said, Lord, I, I receive your thanks and, and I, your honor. But he went right back to his post, a watchman. He didn't let it go to his head. He didn't say, okay, now y'all got a room in the palace for me. You know, y'all got some servants. Mordecai wasn't about that. He was on assignment from heaven. Afterwards, Mordecai went back to the king's gate. But Haman hurried to his house mourning and with his head covered. When Haman told his wife Zeresh and all his friends everything that had happened to him, his wise men and his wife Zeresh said to him, Ooh, if Mordecai... Uh, whom you want to make, who you want to hang, and all his Jewish descendants prevail against him, you will surely, in all the words, oh my goodness, you're going to fall now. See, first she was like, go have him hanged. And now she said, you in trouble now. <laughs> and that while, while they were still talking, the king's eunuchs came and hurried to bring Haman to the banquet, which Esther had prepared. And so God's favor will speak for you. See, God's favor woke the king up and said, get up and read over some things that you've missed. There's a man in the gate that spared your life and you didn't show him honor. You didn't bless him. God's favor will protect you and keep you from the snare of the fowler. And then not only that, God's favor will honor you in the face of your adversaries. And see, he, he blessed Mordecai. He thanked him. He honored him. And Mordecai went right back to his post. Don't get too big to read your prayer, don't, to pray with your prayer partner. Don't get too big that you can't read your Bible. You know, I'm an intercessor. I'm a watchman. You know, where I walk, the devil bows. Don't forget who you are. Don't forget who you are. Favor is not abusive, but it's violent and it, it, it's extreme. Cause see, when I read about Esther and Mordecai, I see two watchmen. And I see King Ahasuerus, their great big God that they had an audience with. And that's a privilege. It's a privilege. Chapter 7, 1 through 6 says, So the king and Haman went to dine with Queen Esther. And on the second day at the banquet of, of wine, the king again said to Esther, What is your petition, Queen Esther? It shall be granted to you. And what is your request? Up to half the kingdom it will be done. Then Queen Esther said, if I have found favor in your sight, O king, and if it pleases the king, let my life be given to me at my petition and my people at my request. I guess Haman is like, what the heck? For we have been sold, my people and me, myself. Because he didn't know she was a Jew. See, she and they're all undercover. Enjoying for we have been sold, me and my people, so now he, gonna, he finds out she's a Jew, to be, to be destroyed and to be killed and to be annihilated. We have been sold male. If we have been sold as males and female slaves, that I would not have said nothing to you. Although the enemy could never compensate for the king's loss. So King Ahasuerus answered and said to Queen Esther, well, who is he and where is he? And who dare presume in his heart to do such a thing? And Esther said, 
the adversary and enemy is this wicked Haman sitting here with this glass of wine in his hand with that stupid look on his face. And Haman was terrified before the, before the king and queen. And the king arose in his wrath from the banquet of wine and went to the palace garden. But Haman stood before Queen Esther pleading for his life. See, he had no idea she was Jewish. No idea. But when he saw the evil was determined against him by the king. And when the king returned to the palace garden and he in the place of the banquet, Haman, he saw that Haman had fallen over Queen Esther. He didn't know he was begging for his life. He thought, you know, Haman was attacking her. So anyway, at this, the king, you know, the king yelled out. His voice jumped, got him, put the, put the hood. Well, they put that hood over your face and carry you out. <laughs> it's curtains. Now, Harbana, one of the eunuchs, said to the king, look, look at the gallows. Because, see, they gossip. They know what Haman had planned because he talks so much, always boasting. And don't think he was telling folks, yeah, today around noon, Haman going to be hanging from that thing today. I mean, I'm sorry, Mordecai, because, see, he don't respect me. So the, all the eunuchs that were standing around, the king knew what Haman was planning. And he said, look, now, now they run in their mouth. Now Haman had uh, prepared that cute, that uh, gallow over there for Mordecai. So uh, you might, you know, that, that hang him on it now. <laughs> and so that's exactly what they did. So they hung Haman on the gallow, which was prepared for Mordecai. And then the king rafts was, was succeeded, succeeded, succeeded. You know what I'm trying to say. Okay, chapter 8. And on that day, King Ahasuerus gave Queen Esther the house of Haman. So see, when the devil wants to come in and steal from you, he got to give it up with the sevenfold return. And like Tiffany went over today, I think that's Proverbs 631. When the, when, the, when the devil has been exposed, he may have to give up his household. Here it is right here. Esther, chapter 8. On the day the King Ahasuerus gave Queen Esther the house of Haman. And see, that's your permission to go in and clean the devil's clock when he's been stealing from you and your family, when he's been threatening you with death. You know, you can be, you know, the enemy can threaten you. You know, you're going to eat, are you going to eat tomorrow? You know, you know, are you going to get healed? All of them, you know, all that threat. Don't let the, I learned. I was harassed a lot of years. And thank God for this ministry. I learned how to talk back to that. And no, not, don't let the devil threaten you. I learned through this ministry, and I th- learned through Norval Hayes when the devil would torment him at night and tell him that's the last time you're going to see Zona because I'm killing her tonight. So don't let the devil threaten you. You clean his clock with the word. Know who you are in Christ. Anyway, verse, let me keep going. <laughs> so the king took off his signet ring, which he had taken from Haman, and gave it to Mordecai. And Esther appointed Mordecai over the house of Haman. Now Esther spoke again to the king. She fell down on his feet. See, the, that boldness is inside of her now. She didn't need them fasting for her because that door has already been opened for her. See, fear, favor is violent. It busted that door of fear open. So now she knew she could get an audience with the king. It wasn't arrogant, but it was a favor. She knew it was something different that God had endowed on her that gave her an audience with the king. Now Esther spoke again to the king and fell down at his feet. See, she didn't go in there arrogant and implored him with tears to counteract the, to, with tears. And she wanted him to counteract all the evil that Haman had done. Cause see, okay, Haman is dead, but see that decree is still out there. And so that got to be taken care of. 
and all the schemes that had been devised against the Jews. And the king held out the golden scepter toward Esther. So Esther rose and stood before the king and said, if it pleases the king, see, she was wrapped in humility. And if, it, and if I found favor in your sight, the things that sing right to the king, and if I am pleasing in your eyes, let it be written to revoke the letters devised by Haman, the son of the Hamaditha, the Agagite, which he wrote to annihilate the Jews who were, who were in all the king's providences. For how can I endure to see the evil that will come to my people, or how can I endure to see the destruction to my countrymen? That's an intercessor right there, standing in the gap. Okay, chapter 8, I just want to see how far I want to go down. So that's what she did. So you know what, verse 8, the king said, well, okay, you, you yourself, you write a decree discerning the Jews. <laughs> he, he gave it all back to her. As you, as you please in the king's name and then you seal it. So in other words, Esther, look, you sit down and you write everything that's in your heart and then sign my name to it. For whatever is written in the king's name and sealed with the king's signet ring, nobody can revoke it. And see, that's how it is with our Bible. We got a Bible. We can execute written judgments on the devil against our family neighbors loved ones see when you are intercessor you've been given jurisdiction and when you execute god's word it ain't gonna come back void amen chapter nine see when you got favor it's violent chapter nine verses one through four it says now the twelfth month that is in the month of adar on the thirteenth day the time came for the king commanded his decree to be executed. On the day of the enemies, the Jews had hoped. Okay, on the day that the, the enemies had hoped to overpower them, the opposite occurred. So the evil that the devil meant for them, it came on their own head. The Jews themselves overpowered those who hated them. The Jews gathered together in their cities throughout the providence of King Ahasuerus to lay hands on those who sought to harm them and no one could withstand them see god had made them so powerful their enemies could not withstand them because fear of them fell upon the whole people why because god favored this jewish people and all the officials of the provinces and the satraps the governors and all those doing the king's work helped the jews because the fear of mordecai fell upon them why because god's favor was on him it says, who is this Mordecai? He is the man who raised Esther, our queen. He never left her. He was always in the king's gate looking looking out for her. Not only did he look out for her and making sure that she was always safe and being treated with the utmost respect, he looked out for the king. When he heard an evil plot to be implied against the king, he made it known so the enemy could escape sudden, so that the king could escape sudden death. Who is Mordecai? He's a man that when wicked Haman walked by him, he wouldn't bow down and pay homage to a man because he served the almighty God. And he would not respect his God by bowing down to a disrespectful, ungodly man. Who is Mordecai? He is the man that God put his favor on. When the devil had devised his plan and set up his funeral, the Lord spoke to the king and said, honor this man. 
Who is Mordecai? His favor, his, God's favor is all over this man. So we'll keep going. So that's why his fear, well, that's why the fear of Mordecai fell in the land. Because it was like, don't mess with him. God is with this man. Okay, let's go over to chapter 10. And we'll be done with Miss Esther. Chapter 10 is short, verses 1 through 3. And King Gehazareth imposed tribute on the land and on the islands of the sea. Now all the acts of his power and his might and the account of the greatness of Mordecai to which the king advanced him. See, the king advanced him. See, when you got, the Bible says we'll have favor with God and with man. Amen. And are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Media and Persia? So Mordecai the Jew was second to King Ahasuerus. See, when the righteous are in authority, the, the, what's that? When the righteous are in authority, the city rejoices. Ha. For Mordecai the Jew was, was second to King Ahasuerus and was great among the Jews and well received by the multitude of his brethren. Because he was seeking the good of his people and speaking peace to all of his countrymen. God's favor is violent. God's favor will fight for you. God's favor will spare your life. And God's favor will make your enemies your footstool. And I, you know, so the Lord was sure I'm an intercessor. So I have to talk to y'all the way the Lord was speaking to me. And it says intercessors must know that favor is one of their weapons of warfare. Favor is why I can stand in the gap and plead the cause for our family, strangers, and for our government. When God's favor is on your life, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's why it's violent. There is a wrestling the devil doesn't want you to let, he, the devil doesn't want to let go of the stronghold over your life and all your, and all the ones that you are interceding for, but he has to. Mordecai and Esther I call them the dynamic duel. These watchmen are our example that we can stand in the gap and we can be fully protected and clothed in God's favor. The example is this is in Psalms 5 and 12. And David, the psalmist says, with favor, you will surround him as with a shield. And see, when it says as with, you know, we read it. You know how you read stuff, but you don't really see it. And that as with, did I write it down somewhere? I probably did. I don't know where it is. I'll find it. But anyway, the psalmist said God's favor will surround you as with. He didn't know how to describe God's favor. So he said the only thing I can describe God's favor is like a shield. And what does a shield do? It's a piece of metal that will protect you against a missile. So if if Iraq sends a missile over to us, God's favor will protect us. That's just how strong and impenetrable it is. And the best way David was sitting there, you know, he was the sweet psalmist of Israel. And he's sitting there singing about God's favor because he knew it. Well, I don't want to get ahead of myself. But he knew God's favor was so extreme. He didn't know how to describe it. He said it's just as it's as, as like a shield. It's just around you. It just protects you. It's unpenetratable. Nothing can blast through it. Nobody can take it off of you. It's for life. You know, that was the best way he could describe God's favor. It was indescribable to David. So he said, it's as with a shield. Amen. 
All righty, let me not get ahead of myself. Okay. Oh, yeah, I did. It says God's favor cannot be penetrated. It's, it's fully covering and protecting us from the gates of hell. The king represents our great big God that we can take all of our petitions to. He's all powerful. Whose decree or his word never returns void, nor can it be overturned or revoked. We can fight and we can be a voice for the unborn against abortion. We can pray for the lost to be saved from an eternal hell. We can pray for the sick and know they will recover. Favor is violent and it won't take no for an answer. Psalms 18, I'll read it out of the Message Bible. Y'all know that's my one of my favorites. David caught, cried out to God in verse eight, uh, chapter, Psalms 18, verse 6. This is the message. And it says, a hostile world, I call to God. I cried to God to help me. From his palace, he hears my call. My cry brings me right into his presence. A private audience. And see, that violent favor breaks through the darkness And brings my voice to my great big God. That's a privilege. And see, I want to show you some. I'm going to give you some more examples. What we never thought that was favor, but it is. You can write it down. Psalms 18 verse 6 says, He heard my voice from his temple. And my cry came, came before him, even to his ears. That's the King James Version. Jeremiah 33 and says, "Call." God is saying, call to me. And I'll answer you. Why? Because you got favor with me. And I'll show you great and mighty things that you don't even know about. Isaiah 65 and 24. It shall come to pass that before they call, I'll answer. Why? Because they got favor with me. And while they're speaking, I'll hear them. Isaiah 58, 9 says, They shall call and the Lord will answer. Everybody don't have that testimony. Everybody can't say every time I call, my ear comes right into his palace, into his chambers. He hears me over the voice of many. You shall cry and the Lord will say, here I am. See, we have an audience with God and that's his favor. Don't ever take it for granted as an intercessor. So my second example Yes, Miss Abigail. First Samuel chapter twenty-five. It's just one chapter. Okay, twenty-five, and I'm going to read uh, fourteen. You all know the, y'all know about Abigail, but we're going to honor the word and read it. Verse fourteen says. Okay, so y'all all know that, uh, do I, yeah, yeah, Samuel 25, yep, starting, so okay, the background is David and his men protected Nabal's guys while they were out shearing sheep, and thanks was due them, you know, and they came to look for it, and they didn't get it right away. <laughs> so verse, uh, I just don't know why I wanted to start at verse 14. Okay, well, anyway, so y'all know all that. David sent messengers. Hey, let Nabal know we kept his men safe. He wasn't missing nothing. His men weren't, weren't hurt. 
you know, he all his sheep, a lion or a bear didn't come get his sheep. You know, they, everybody was intact. All we want, we know you're doing a celebration, Nabal. We just want a little bit of your, you know, your food and all y'all celebration. Just share it with your boys. And, and uh, Nabal was like, no. So anyway, let's start in verse 14. Now, and, and, and Nabal knew who David was, too. And so, very wicked man. Verse 14 says, now one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, look, David's, he, so he's saying, look, so that the, you know, the David's men were leaving. So he said, look, in other words, look, Abigail, you see them guys leaving? David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master, and he reviled them. But the men were very good to us, and we were not hurt, nor did we miss anything as long as we, as long as, as we accompanied them. So as long as, check this out, as long as we stayed with them when we were in our fields, they were as a wall about us, night and day, all the time we were keeping them. Keep, oh, I'm sorry, all the time that we were keeping the sheep. And see, when he says they were as a wall around me, that's God's favor. Lana's prophecy, Shannon, she, Lana, uh, Shannon sent me a prophecy and, and it was talking about God's favor. What was it, a wall of fire? Yes. And well, she sent me that and I was, and I said, that's, uh, that's God's favor. Well, she knew that. I mean, she, she knew that. That's why she said the prophecy, but, but then I read this and see, he said, they were as a wall around us. That, un, that favor, that violent, extreme wall that cannot be penetrated. Amen. So anyway, I'll keep going. What what you will do for them? Let's see. Let's see now. Okay, let me back up. They were as a wall to us by day and night. So David's guys kept them day and night. They never left their post. All the time we were with them keeping the sheep. Now, therefore, know and consider what you will do. For harm is determined against our master and against this household. Because what this servant is saying, them men protected us day and night. We was even scared of them. So we knew we were safe. And if y'all think we're going to escape sudden death from David and his men, we in trouble. Because <laughs> Nabal done got us into some trouble here. For he is such a scoundrel that no one can even speak to him. Then Abigail made haste, took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, Five sheep already dressed, five sheaves and roasted grain. And, you know, she took a lot of stuff. And she said to her servants, go on before me and I'm coming after you. But she did not tell her husband Nabal. So it was that she rode on the donkey that she went down under the cover of the hill. And there was David and his men coming down towards her. And she met him. Now David had said, Surely in vain I have protected all that this fellow has in the wilderness so that nothing was missed of all that belongs to him. And he has repaid me evil for good. May God do so to me or more also to the enemies of David. If I leave one male of all who belongs to him by morning, by morning light. In other words, I'm taking them all out. Now when Abigail saw David, she dismounted quickly from the donkey fell on her face before David and bowed down to the ground. And she, and she fell at his feet and said, Oh me, oh, oh me, my Lord. On, yeah, on me, my Lord. On me, let this iniquity be. Look at that intercessor. And please let your maidservant speak in your ears and hear the words of your maidservant. She sounded like Esther. Lord, please let me find favor 
and speak on behalf of my crazy husband and and my innocent servants. Please let my Lord regard this scoundrel Nabal, for his name is who he is. Nabal is his name and folly. I almost said folly is his game, but... (laughs) (laughs) Nabal is his name and folly is with him. (laughs) But I, your maidservant, did not see the young men of my Lord whom you sent. Now therefore, my Lord, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives... Since the Lord has held you back from coming to, for, since the Lord has held you back from coming to bloodshed, and from avenging yourself with your own hand, now then, let your enemies and those who seek harm for my Lord as. Okay, so y'all know what she's saying. She's saying, please forget the trespasses of my husband, and take everything. Okay, so yeah, we'll keep going. I'm gonna jump down to verse 30. I'm gonna jump down to. Okay, 30. And it shall come to pass when the Lord has done for my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you. So she's saying, you know what, David? God has great plans for you. And I know it because he told me when I was on my way here. You got favor, David. You got big things in store for you. Because see, she was an intercessor, a woman of prayer, a woman of wisdom. And see, she knew she had favor with God. And that favor made her fearless. And she had that same thought as Esther. I'm going out to meet David. And if I perish, I perish. Verse 31. That this will be. So she's saying, don't kill Nabal. Don't let this be a grief to you or an offense of heart to my Lord. Either that you have shed blood without cause. Or that my Lord has avenged himself. But when the Lord has dealt well with my Lord. Then remember your maid servant. She said, David, you know what? God always fights for you. He always makes your enemies your footstool. This this time here, it's not going to be no different. But when God starts blessing you and pouring out and showing his favor to you, just remember me. Remember this conversation we had today. Then David said to Abigail, blessed is the Lord God of Israel who sent you this day to meet me. Because see, he's saying, this lady said things to me. That spoke to the inside of me. And nobody else knew these things but her. God has totally revealed things to her about me today. And she has found favor with me. And blessed is your advice. And blessed are you. Because you have kept me this day from coming to bloodshed. And from avenging myself with my own hand. For indeed as the Lord God of Israel lives. Who has kept me back from hurting you. Unless you would hurry Unless you had hurried to come to meet me, surely by morning, no males would have been left to Nabal. And he said, God is good because I could have killed you too when I saw you coming. So David received from her hand, he so David received from her hand what she had brought him and said to her, go in peace to your house. See, I have heeded your voice and I have respected you. See, she had that violent favor. And he said, go home, Abigail. I received the gifts. I'm going to spare your husband. I'm going to spare the men servants. I'm going to spare you. You know, go home in peace. Now, Ava, no, okay, so we all, do I want to keep going? Yeah. Now, Abigail went to Nabal, and there he was. Remind me of Haman, full of himself. He drunk, you know, having a good time. <laughs> so in the morning when he was sober... And his wife said to him, she told him everything that happened and it happened. And so it happened after that. 
Okay, wait a minute. She told him everything and he became as a stone. <laughs> now it happened after about 10 days that the Lord struck Nabal and he died. So when David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Blessed be the Lord who has pleaded the cause of my reproach from the hand of Nabal. Basically, he's kept me from bloodshed and has kept his servant from evil. For the Lord has returned the wickedness of Nabal on his own head. In other words, God is so good. He fought my battle again. He fought for me again. God's favor is for life. It's for life. And David said, David sent and proposed to Abigail to take her as his wife. Is that it? Okay, yeah. And he took her as his wife. And and so then, you know, yada, yada, yada. But I just want to stick with this. So David having a king's heart and knowing the danger that they, that they, uh, let me see, I can't read my own handwriting. <laughs> David having a king's heart and knowing the danger they encountered. The, the, the danger that they could have encountered, he protected Nabal's sheep shears. David used to keep his father's sheep by himself, and he had to kill a lion and a bear. So see, David took he his David had a king's heart. So when he saw them men out there with all them sheep, he said, "They pray." He said, "Somebody can come by here, kill the men, take all the sheep, or they can be over uh, overpowered by a herd of lions." And they kill and take all the prey, and Nabal won't have anything. He said, but you know what? I I used to do this by myself, and God helped me. But now that I have resources, y'all go over there, and y'all protect those men, and let them do their work. So when they get to Nabal, they won't be killed, because Nabal will see that nothing he had was missing or broken. See, David put his men's life on the line, because David knew that he had favor with God. God has showed David extreme favor with Goliath when he said that. He said, it was a lion came, a bear came. He said, I ran after them and I took that sheep out of their mouth and then I struck them and then I killed them. And see, God, only God could give David that supernatural power, that supernatural strength to run after a bear. Because the Bible says that David was short and ruddy, but he ran after a bear and a lion and killed them with his bare hands. God's favor. These men found favor with David. David's men stayed with them and protected them. Their life and the lives of their sheep, nothing was missing or harmed. Verse 16 says, David men was as a wall around them day and night. And this is a picture of God's extreme violent favor over our lives. God has a wall of fire around us and a hedge of protection. When we first started in this ministry, I remember we used to, Pastor Barbara would pray that she said, there's a hedge of she said, there's a hedge, a, a wall of fire around us. And if you try to come against that hedge, you'll be pricked by the thorns, burnt by the fire, and bit by the snakes. And so you got to know that you walk in that. But it's favor. It's not an arrogance. It's not abusive. See, when you know who you are, you don't have to say, I'm here. It ain't even like that. <laughs> you know, we used to go to that. Uh, we used to go to, um, what's it? Blackwell's church. Yeah, Luther. And I don't know how I would always get around his wife. And one night I was walking behind her. She was, God bless her so, God bless her so, but she was a little arrogant for me. And she was walking one night after the service and she said, I need a man. And I looked at her to walk me to my car. You know, but she was just so 
aggressive. She just was a turn off to me, but she was carnal. But that's what I think about, you know. It ain't Luther Blackwell's wife. You don't announce yourself. It's something that you wear. It's something that you wake up in. It's a quiet storm. And confidence and quietness is her strength. It's a quality that's on the inside of you that nobody knows is there until you need to pull them out the ditch. And they'll say, wow, I didn't know you could pray like that. It's a quiet storm. Okay, let's go back. Psalms 5 and 12 says, For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous with favor. Yeah, here it is. And with favor you will surround him as with a shield. As with is used as a comparison to refer to the degree or quality of something. So David said the quality of God's favor lines up to a shield that's impenetrable. Amen. God's favor will surround our lives. His favor surrounds the lives of our family. Our family members will be kept. And we can be assured that nothing in our family will be missing or broken. Amen. Abigail, being a woman of wisdom, recognized and understood the extreme, the extreme favor the extreme favor David showed Nabal's men. And she knew that he was entitled to a uh, reward. Did that come out right? She recognized. She, in other words, she saw what David and his men did, how they laid their lives down for her men. And she knew that he deserved to be honored for it. A- Abigail put her life and her servant's life on the line. Because remember, she sent her servants out first. They could have killed them on sight. David was mad. He said, every man going to be dead. And she sent the servants out first with the food. Then she came. But see, there was a, something on the inside of her. That favor. God, you got me. I've been living with Nabal all these years. You've helped me with this. You've helped me with that. You know, he's done stupid stuff before. And she's used to coming behind. She's used to being the cleanup woman. Lord, this is no different. The same favor you showed me the last time Nabal did something stupid. Here I am again. I know you're going to come through for me again. God's favor on your life won't let the enemy steal from you. God's violent or extreme favor keeps the command blessing over your life. And that's Deuteronomy 28. He said, I will command the blessing. See, that's something we can live in. That's something we can expect. You know, favoring, oh, I'm blessed, highly favored, and all that other crap. That ain't, that ain't favor. That's arrogance and carnality and religion. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Cause they be the first one to get in the car and the car don't start and they sitting out there cussing like a sailor. Abigail recognized that David was favored by God. Cause see, his fame has spread out throughout that whole country. You know, Nabal knew who David was. And see, he felt like, ah, that now David needs something from me. Oh, the man, the sweet psalmist of Israel need a favor from me? No. See, he knew who David was. And Abigail knew that David was favored by God. And she didn't want him to tarnish his reputation with Nabal's blood on his hands. Because she knew through God's wisdom that he was about to inherit the throne that had been promised to him. God's violent favor on your life uh, will deal with your enemies. David didn't have to deal with Nabal. 
but God dealt with him. David had the heart of God. That's why it was so easy for him to show his violent and extreme favor to those men. David put his men's lives in danger by protecting these. They were strangers. But David had confidence in his God to keep him, them, and his men safe. David had the heart of a king. He couldn't walk away and see these men vulnerable in the wilderness. Because see, if they would have came back to Nabal and said, Nabal, we lost all them sheep. We ain't got no food. We, you know, the, the, they would have been dead on sight because Nabal was crazy. And that's all I want to say about Abigail and David. <laughs> that's where I stopped writing. <laughs> Extreme favor, violent favor. David. Uh, Daniel, Shadrach, and Amish. Daniel, Shadrach, and Abednego. What's that song? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's the only way I can remember it. I'm sorry. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel had this extreme favor, that violent favor on their life. Violence, meaning when David was thrown into the lion's den, the king said, the God whom you serve continually, he'll protect you, Daniel. And that favor was so on his life, the king knew it was wrong. He couldn't even sleep. The king was fasting all night. He couldn't wait for sunrise, and he ran. He said, David, uh, Daniel, the God whom you serve continually, has he protected you? And he said, oh, king, live forever. The Lord sent an angel. God's favor is violent. He said he sent an angel, and he held the lion's mouth. I've been protected all night. And they said, get him out. And when he got out, and the servants, before they, the, the men that took him out, before they reached the bottom, them, the, before they reached the bottom of the pit, the lions had already crushed their bones. But see, God sent an angel to shut the mouths of the lions for Daniel. God's favor is violent. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego wouldn't bow down. They threw him in the fiery furnace. Jesus showed up. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'm in the fire with you. You're going to come out. You're not going to smell like fire. You're not going to look like what you've been through because I'm with you. My favor is on your life. My favor is violent. I fight for you. No devil in hell will keep me from getting to you. I blast through fire to get to you. And favor is violent. God's favor is violent. God's favor is extreme. God's favor has been endowed on us. And as intercessors, we have to know this so we can pray more confidently. Pray for our family, our neighbors, our government. We have to know that we are a force to be reckoned with because of the God that we serve. It's not us and ourselves. It's he who lives within us is greater. Why is he greater? Because he knows the power that's available to him. He knows the, 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 the Holy Spirit knows the force that's behind us. We've been given jurisdiction to use God's word and blast through hell and annihilate the enemy. And so anyway, I just want to encourage you in God's favor. It's real. I mean, I thank God for, you know, it, it, there, 
favor is favor. I thank God for paying less at the store, something free, but it's, it's God's favor is bigger. It's bigger. And so I just wanted to show you another facet of our great big God. <laughs> another benefit of serving him. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we honor you. And we thank you for your all-powerful word, Lord, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing through the marrow and the bone. We thank you, Jesus, that your word is unpenetratable. It never returns void. It can be revoked, and it will never be overturned. We thank you that we serve a great big God, a promise keeper, a warrior, the one who fights for us, our rescuing knight. We honor you, and we love you. We bless you. And we honor you. It's a privilege to serve you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, well, if anybody needs agreement in prayer, I can do that. And if not, I guess we could keep on moving. But if not, we will pray. Amen. Praise God.